0: What's that, Scott? Show notes? Oh, right, those things. Well, you know, if folks are trying to find us online or find out all the things we talked about during this episode, uh, they can hop over to our show notes, which are located on the website that we maintain for all this over on Tumblr. Uh, You can get there really easily if you just go over to http colon slash slash brewery dot fm forward slash and voila, you get all the show notes for everything. But if you're looking for the ones for episode 18, this one, uh, then you're actually going to go to pub.brewery.fm forward slash brewery 018. So we try and follow that pattern in practice all about so that uh, we can remember where the notes are for the different episodes. Um, if you are listening and you've got feedback for us, though, you can get that feedback to us uh, on Twitter. Uh, just send us a note, at brewery.fm. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Brewery FM, or if you can uh if you want to use an email client you can send us an email at info at brewery.fm so that's three different methods and ways um obviously we'd love your feedback uh, up on itunes so if you get a chance and you're an apple user or you happen to have windows and use itunes over there uh just hop on over to itunes find us we're in the app catalog in the podcasts and give us a rating and uh yeah If you do send us a picture of you giving us a rating, we'll mail you a Ninja Cat Unicorn waving the Microsoft flag sticker. Uh, I realized a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, I'd send you the actual Ninja Cat Unicorn uh, waving the Microsoft flag, breathing fire, and I did not preface it by saying that it was actually a sticker. So uh, anyway, we look forward to that and hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Hogue and Dan Usher, Just two techies separated by a giant blue ocean for mm, a couple more weeks, talking cloud, Cortana, pop-ups, whiskey, and of course, underwater sea cable technologies. I'm Scott Hogue, and this is episode 18, recorded on 28 May, 2015.
0: That's how we roll in the Shire.
1: Uh, Have you ever been to a Shire?
0: Uh, so when I was a little kid, we lived in Germany for about five years and we took a two week vacation over to, uh, London to the UK. We took the ferry across. Um, I thought I was going to die the entire way. Um, so we took the ferry across. We ventured out. Uh, I actually saw Stonehenge, walked up to the stones, touched the stones, something you cannot do these days. Uh, I think you can do that at Carhenge though. If you drive up to Carhenge, maybe in Nebraska, you can go up and touch the cars, um, so anyway, we did wander about, and there were a couple shires that uh, we did get to see, so that was kind of neat, but I'm guessing uh, since uh, Lord of the Rings and all that jazz was filmed down under and in New Zealand, that they probably got shires all over the place.
1: Uh, it, it's a little bit like England. We There are a couple of shires here and there, uh, especially... I, I've seen them around Sydney when you start to head south, so when we went down to kangaroo valley a couple weeks ago we actually uh passed through several shires uh which confused my kids quite a bit because they were looking out the window for not just kangaroos and wombats but they were also trying to spot hobbits so sometimes you would see a big wombat hole in the side of a hill and they would wonder why there wasn't a door on it for hobbits to be in um you know kids are great
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm guessing your kids also probably have, uh, some of the much coveted, uh, Hobbit feet slippers. Uh,
1: no, we don't have any of that stuff yet. I I've been trying to find a way to, uh, get us to New Zealand and hop through since we are on this side of the world. And I don't know that we're going to be able to make it happen. Uh, we're just getting really down to the wire with, uh, moving stuff. It's, uh, far too hectic with trying to coordinate movers and closing out schools and leases and uh, you know simple even little things like utilities are kind of a pain. Um, they're just not set up in the most sane manner some of the time. Uh, so it's it's been an interesting journey and like I said I think we're just down to crunch time and. Uh, running out of time. So I might just need to hop on a plane and fly back to the U S and decompress and then um, maybe take a trip down to the Caribbean or something for a little while, do some sailing um, to kind of let it all go. Maybe, maybe I'll uh, give Paul Swider a call, ask him if he wants to uh, go out on a boat for a while.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine that your body is going to be in utter shock because the toilet goes in the opposite
1: direction. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not looking forward to the trip. It's a brutal, brutal plane flight to get all the way from Australia back to the East Coast of the US. Um, Last time we did it, there was a lot of delays. It took us like 32, 33 hours door to door. Uh, I'm hoping that this time, if we have no delays or anything like that, it'll be um, about 28 hours, maybe 27, 28 hours. Uh, so with two little kids, you know, I got a, uh, five soon to be six year old and, um, an eight year old and, uh, you know, traveling that far with little kids is interesting in and of itself. Um, and then, you know, we're dealing with the logistics of when we land on the other side, um, all our stuff is in a crate crossing the ocean for two to three months. So, you know, like what toys are we going to bring? What are we going to stuff in? Uh, luggage to bring across and everything else. It's it's gonna be mm, quite the adventure, I think.
0: I can only say that uh, I will probably put in your flight information and watch you as you cross the ocean and cross back over uh, the U.S. I remember last time, uh, just I felt really bad because, like you said, you know, it took thirty two, thirty three hours door to door. Primarily when you landed back in the U.S. and you were like, okay flight delayed in, you know, Los Angeles, no biggie. And then, uh, you posted something that was like, huh, got to New York, need to get to Orlando, diverted to, or no need to get to Jacksonville, diverted to Orlando. Guess it's time for an hour and a half road trip. And I was just thinking to myself, when was the last time he slept? Um, so my hope for you is that it's not going to be quite as painful of a trip this time around, and that uh, having you know that economy plus, uh, hopefully, will be a little bit uh, easier for you.
1: Yeah, we're we're going to do it a little bit differently this time. So I'm I'm taking a different tact. Even though it's not winter time, I'm going to try and avoid the chance of getting caught in a snowstorm in Newark at all costs. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're going to do uh, San uh, Sydney to San Francisco, then we're going to go through Houston. Um, which when we booked our tickets last week, that sounded like a great idea. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of storms and things kind of brewing in Texas right now. So uh, if those are still around in a couple weeks, that might come back and uh, bite me in the rear end. But we'll see. And then, then we just go straight from Houston to Jack's, just a direct flight. So uh, th- that that's kind of nice. So just get it down to a couple flights and push things through and spend a couple days in Jack's get settled in and then, uh, get ready to head back up to, uh, DC and see what's going on up there. Got to start figuring out, uh, you know, all, all the fun logistical things of, uh, where we're going to live and where the kids are going to go to school and, um, you know, all, all the fun stuff that you do when you move internationally.
0: It's been, uh, a while for me and I was a kid, so I didn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that you're getting to deal with. But, uh, I think all of us can say that, you know, we'll be glad to have you back in uh, the same time zone or at least within, uh, you know, set of time zones. But I can totally understand that uh, probably right now you're thinking to yourself, oh, so much to do, so much to, you know, get done. Um, Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully all that goes well, man.
1: Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is just go to Florida. And then um, there was this great, Uh, offer that popped up on lego.com so um, everybody's familiar with lego.com at this point i hope it's where you go to buy your legos Uh, very important place if you live somewhere like australia where you don't have lego stores you know we don't all have access to just go to tyson's galleria and grab legos Uh, they have a neat little offer right now where you can go out and uh, if you buy something online uh it's basically a buy one get one so uh they're going to give you a free ticket offer for Legoland. So this is great for me because I'm going to be heading to Florida uh and I've I've seen a couple people posting about the new uh Legoland hotel. Uh so I think my parents sent me something about it. Uh I, I saw uh Andrew Connell, you know, he's down in Jacksonville as well. Uh he was posting some stuff about, you know, maybe he would have to take his kids down there. Um, and I think I, I would might fall into the same uh, camp as AC where um, going to Legoland is sometimes more about me than it is the kids. But, we, you know, we won't tell them that. Um, but anyway, they have this ticket offer. Basically, you buy some Legos and uh, you get a voucher. And then when you go down to Legoland, uh, you buy one ticket at, at full price and then you get another one for free. Uh, so that'll, you know, maybe save people a little bit of scratch and uh, get things going. So I, I might see if I can order some Legos, have them shipped to the house in Jack's. And then maybe, you know, that weekend we get back, we'll go spend some time in a Lego hotel just for giggles.
0: So I think, uh, at least for me, um, depending on if we uh, get accepted to that, uh, that live 360 conference down in Orlando, Uh, I might be buying some Legos and then, yeah, I might just stay down there a couple extra days. I don't know. Um, I would, I would definitely be interested in checking out Legoland. I have not been there since when I went in Denmark back when I was five years old. So, uh, now they have non-standard parts. That's, that's a really big deal, Scott.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, you know, you know, my kids did it, uh, about a year or so ago, I think, um, uh, you know, I think it was probably yeah, closer to a year and a half ago. It was when I was getting ready to come out here. You know, I think my wife took the kids down to Florida and uh they were kind of running around and doing that uh Lego thing and they had a blast doing it. So I I would really like to go. Like I said, if if I went with the kids, it would probably be a little bit more about me than about them. Um one of the really neat things they do is uh if you have any Lego figurines, um, you can walk around to uh the attendants at the park and they kind of have um, bags full of figurines so you basically you can trade all day so um, if you have a particular figurine you're looking for or you have some that you're kind of like done playing with whatever um, you basically just walk up to this person and you trade your figurine and uh, you know they give you one out of the bag you give them yours and you can kind of go around all day and do that so uh, that's really fun for the kids and uh, I would Definitely I think recommend it even though I've never been there like I said my kids have and um, I've heard great things about it. It even met the uh, the WAF the uh, not the web application firewall but the uh, wife acceptance factor uh, so she took the kids last time and, and had a good time with it. So yeah I think uh, I think we might have to check it out if we're able to
0: um, I don't know that would be you know if we're, if we happen to be down there um, in uh, in October or I guess, uh, November for that conference, uh, I, I'm definitely gonna skip out for a day and <clears throat> right, go over there. So, um, I will be collaborating with Lego pieces. So that's what
1: I'll be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fill up the trunk full of Legos and, uh, it'll be a fun trip down. Just don't get pulled over. Cause it would be really weird to have to explain that to a state trooper. Uh, what it <laughs> mm, It might be. <laughs> yeah uh, uh they opened the trunk all they found was tequila and legos oh no
0: hey i'm not breaking any open container laws there unless of course they say these legos aren't in their you know original packaging um,
1: <laughs> um you know the, the only way out is through so you you, you got to try it out and see what happens yep i agree um so a little
0: bit of follow-up from last week uh um john Liu, uh the sharepoint mvp that's out there in australia with you
1: um he's an american right expatriate uh no he is from uh oh he's not gonna like me um he's he's uh from asia uh not indonesia um yeah no uh he he is an expat uh but not uh yeah but from an american expat yeah no yeah no he's uh from asia uh, yep yep i okay. I think he's been here like twelve thirteen years, something like that um, so so he, he hes he's a long long you know Australia lifer at this point
0: interesting I, I did not realize that um so anyway, uh he posted a question up uh asking you know whether or not there would be a barbecue before you left so uh, I'm I'm gonna guess that you might have some sort of barbecue before you head out of Australia, but I will I'll defer to you because I know that probably uh, there's probably a lot of things going on and time is of the essence.
1: Yeah, at, at this point I don't know. Like, like I said, this week is uh, hectic and crazy. Uh, movers in and out, kind of packing everything. So you know, we've got this company packing everything up for us, but we, we've we still got to be around to supervise and let them in and out and things like that. And, um, next weekend is kind of our last weekend or this coming weekend is kind of our last weekend here. And then we fly out. So, uh, it might be a little tight. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm in the crunch and I feel like I'm, I'm losing time left and right. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, it's one of those interesting things. I should have had like a Trello board or something to manage this and put it all together Uh, and I was just not a good project manager for, uh, the lead up to my, uh, end days here.
0: I, uh, I thought you had all of that in a OneNote notebook that got destroyed because something happened and there was no Recycle Bin. Yeah, uh,
1: there is Recycle Bin now. Um, unfortunately it doesn't let you recover things that were deleted before the Recycle Bin was there, so... Um, all, all that stuff is gone. But yeah, yeah man, um, I'm I'm not a big fan of OneNote. I I still keep going back to Evernote. I think uh, OneNote is just it, it's far too, I guess, unstructured for me. So I can see why folks like it with the ability to uh, kind of just dump gobs and gobs of content in there and be able to search through it and everything else um you know it's it's nice to be able to just drag a web page over clip a web page and put an image in there and have it OCR and all the other things um so i get a lot of that stuff with evernote um which you know i'm still uh I, i'm still using uh quite a bit um and i i also like that evernote maybe makes me think about the structure of the way things are going in at least as far as when i'm putting content into a note um you know it's very free form with tags and and things like that, and, and kind of the notebook structure and everything else. Um, but I find that for actually writing notes and putting things together, um, it, it it's a lot better for me. OneNote is just, uh, I, I get kind of lost. I think it does maybe too much. And uh, I, I, I don't want to wrap my head around a new tool uh, right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know we use OneNote for like the show notes. Um, it's okay for that um still kind of drives me nuts sometimes with some of the formatting things you know when it tries to act like word and things like that um and we use it for some projects at work for like cross collaboration and and um you know tracking like environment builds and stuff like that but um, still just uh not the thing for me right like we had that discussion about uh safari versus chrome and all that uh i'm gonna uh just put my heels in the ground and uh I think stick it out the way I'm doing it for the moment uh, maybe until I can figure out a better way to do it or unless somebody like no. shows me the light you know uh,
0: I think uh, I mean there's merits to each platform I think if you've already chosen your ecosystem to be in that world of uh, evernote then might as well just stick with it because you know it might be it might have some of the mature mature capabilities that you're looking for whereas uh, OneNote at this point is still you know figuring out uh, uh, how it fits into the ecosystem of office. It seems like a lot of uh, a lot of folks, you know, they, they look at OneNote and they've looked at OneNote the past couple of years and they've always been like, well, what am I supposed to use it for? Um, or, you know, until recently when all of a sudden we can sync things to our Office 365 instance or to our OneDrive uh, consumer, um, it's been fairly painful to have to go through and, you know, reopen notebooks when you get a new PC, um, and get everything loaded back in, so I, I can definitely understand that. Um, Microsoft, though, you know, they are they are trying really, really hard to gain uh, you know bits and pieces of market share with OneNote. Um, they had uh, you know with the uh, uh, the Microsoft Windows Phone, um, they had the ability to take photos and then email them to them. Uh, using the app known as Office Lens, and while the OneNote app sort of already did that on iOS and Android um, by taking pictures and adding them directly into the OneNote app, uh, now you've got Office Lens for iOS, and I guess uh, it finally rolled out for Android as well. So that that parity is slowly but surely coming along. But you're right, if you've if you've got things already, you know, tucked away in Evernote, and you know Evernote inside and out, there, there's no reason to try and switch over, flip over.
1: Yeah um yeah i mean i mean the OneNote train kind of go goes on and and keeps on churning uh they they had some interesting stuff they announced uh late late last week around uh wordpress and um kind of having a, a OneNote wordpress integration so uh you know for folks that lament the loss of live writer or the lack of updates to LiveWriter, let's call it that, because you can still install LiveWriter Writer and uh, and it works and continues to do its thing. So if if everybody liked that kind of authoring experience and what went in there, um, you know, you can go over to something like OneNote now and actually be able to publish back to WordPress. So they had a couple new um, partnerships, which was uh, pretty cool. You know, they're, they're they're investing in it and and they're building out uh, the ecosystem and, and getting everything going with it.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, at least, at least to me, um, having that, uh, that integration with things like WordPress, uh, that I always get annoyed because I've got, you know, uh, multiple different apps on uh, Mac that I'll go write a blog post and then I'll have to do some work to actually get it into uh, WordPress. So while I could use the WordPress UI, um, through WordPress.com, um, I, I just I really don't like the UI because it's just not that friendly. So I end up using things like Mars Edit or uh, you know something else that does Markdown and then cutting and pasting the Markdown into uh, the WordPress UI and it's just it's cumbersome. So I'm actually going to try and give this a give this a roll and see if uh, if this capability with the WordPress connectivity through OneNote is you know going to be worthwhile or not. Um, who knows, it might uh, it might mean you'll see more blog posts from me because I do tend to use OneNote for little snippets of things here and there, but it could also mean that I inadvertently share things that I don't mi- mean to because all of a sudden I have this real easy way to you know just share additional information out there on the web.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't use WordPress anymore. I use Tumblr uh, for all my blogs and everything now, and uh, I'm pretty much, I would say like, into the uh, straight just markdown or html authoring arena at this point Um, so I kind of use markdown for everything that I can and then because markdown and html can be intermixed I'll just use um, html where it has um, uh, support for things that maybe like markdown classic doesn't uh, like tables or, or things like that. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't mind, um, doing the authoring that way. And I actually kind of like just doing it all online and having it there. So uh, I can see where the OneNote thing would be really nice because you have a tool, but it's all synced to the backend. Um, I'm just kind of using Tumblr as that sync engine, right? So I'll just write a note in draft form, uh, or write a post in draft form and just save it as a draft and then maybe schedule it to go out things like that
0: yeah and I guess my hope is that they'll end up adding some of those capabilities, like uh, being able to schedule a note for later. I think I haven't gone out and used it yet. I'll have to give some feedback next week, but uh my guess is is that you know it's fairly lackluster at the moment and probably not uh, not quite as awesome as uh, some of the other tools out there that are built up around Tumblr and WordPress uh, natively at the moment.
1: Uh, there's a bunch of things that are out there. I think the one advantage of something like LiveWriter or OneNote, um, let's not call it an advantage, but the, the one thing that gets people into it is that it's free. Um, so there still seems to be, uh, this hesitation of, um, I'm I'm going to pay money for a tool that can maybe help me do the job better. Uh so there's things out there like if you're on OSX there's um Mars edit or there's a product called uh Desk which is at just at desk.pm and um you know those go out and do the publishing and um everything you need them to do but uh they're paid tools. So I think sometimes that kind of scares people away, but if blogging is your bread and butter and you're looking for a nice writing tool for it then um, you should probably think about investing in that. You know, if it was a ninety-nine cent app, you'd probably go for it. So, what's the difference between a ninety-nine cent app and a thirty-dollar thing? You know, if you're going to use it every day and and move it through, like if you're going to get something out of it, it's it's probably worth the money. Um, like I said, I have to throw all my stuff in Markdown. So I've I've been playing around with uh, uh, a bunch of Markdown editors, just kind of every new one that comes out to see what they're doing. Uh, so there was one that came out called Whiskey. Uh, that I've been playing with, which uh, I have a link in the show notes to a blog post with some demo videos and things like that. Um, But it's really nice. It supports kind of classic Markdown, which is, you know, the the John Gruber style. Um, And then you can uh, go out and extend it with extensions from there. So if you want to do maybe like uh, github style markdown or some other things you just need to find an extension that does that uh, and then they blow out and do those things uh, really nicely so I, I've been having a lot of fun with that one um, but you, you know at the end of the day it's about finding the right tool for the job right so if there's one that works uh, even if it costs you a little bit of money go ahead and try the demo or whatever and uh, just have a go at it see how it, see how it uh, works for you and integrates in your kind of workflow for publishing and everything else
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned Whiskey, because I remember when I was on my crusade to find the wonderful, awesome uh, editor, um, you had mentioned Whiskey. And I think you were part of like their alpha release, their alpha program or whatever. So you had access to it a while, way before they actually made it public in their beta. Uh, So I forgot this one was even out there. I've been mostly using uh, like Atom.io, which has, you know, native markdown uh, capability to... Uh, build things out through some of their plugins, but I might have to go back and check out Whiskey now that I see that it's uh, it's available. Cool.
1: Yeah, I, I've been playing around with that, and uh, you know, uh, we had Visual Studio, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, uh, Code come out uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? So Code lets you because that's based on that whole uh, Atom Chromium whatever engine thing. Um, it kind of has that same support in there. So uh, there's just it's it's like a three or four step. Uh, process to get up and running and saying, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do markdown style uh, with live preview in uh, Visual Studio Code. So it's quite literally, uh, ooh, I think I put a thing up there about it because somebody was uh, tweeting about it or something. It's, it's, it's really easy. So basically, um, uh, you just go ahead and split your windows, uh, go ahead and turn on autosave, So that way when you're like authoring in the left pane, it's going to be consistently saving. Um, And then you can take your right pane and you can just set it to preview mode and then that's it. So as you're consistently writing in your left pane or vice versa, maybe you want to put them the other way. It doesn't really matter. Um, Maybe you're a right to left uh, blogger. uh, You can go ahead and just do that. And then uh, that editor has the same support in it. So. Uh, I've kind of dropped uh, Atom uh, off the MacBook for now, just because Code is built on the same engine and kind of supports the same packages and things like that. So I've I found it's a comparable replacement. I uh, I might uh, I might have
0: to drop off uh, <clears throat> Adam as well and just use Code from here on out. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It does it gets the job done for what I'm using it for right now, and I'm not doing a significant amount of .NET dev at the moment that I actually need to use something like GitHub. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, So, uh, you know, speaking of uh, kind of the development story and using Visual Studio Code, uh, did you see Andrew Connell's post uh, a couple days ago about the Office 365 developer (laughs) developer program? And you're allowed to say no, because, you know, we can take different views on things or you can have an airplane fly over you uh, you know i don't know watch, what you know, it is background uh, noise.
1: It was, i think it's street cleaners this week uh you know last week nice. it was the council coming through doing the grass and um now i just got this street cleaner constantly buzzing up and down the street and um it basically comes in every moment when you want me to talk so uh i did not have a chance to read that post yet so enlighten me well, uh, so Andrew Connell,
0: good guy, lives down in Jacksonville, just bought a really, really nice car that I think we might have to borrow when we're done down there uh, this fall. Um, he posted something up last Thursday, so just after we recorded um, about a new office 365 developer program. So in the past, if you had an MSDN account, you could go in and as a part of that, you got an office 365 tenant uh, that basically you just had to renew every year. So, uh, you know, you go, you provision it out, not a big deal. Um, every year your MSDN account would get, uh, renewed and you just had to go back and reapply your office 365 credit, uh, through a code to that tenant and you kept, kept on going. So now on, uh, I guess it's uh, the site that Jeremy Thake owns. You a drink every single time you say dev.office.com. Uh, they have something for the Office 365 Developer Program that allows anybody, um, no MSDN requirement, uh, to get a one-year free subscription to a 365 development instance. Uh, and basically, you just you go in, you sign up. They send you a link via email. Uh, my guess is is that the provisioning process. Just has some code in the background that automatically, you know, provisions it out and gives you that year-long uh, license. Uh, I'm going to guess that, uh, similar to other programs, it's not meant to be used for like production stuff. So I don't know if there's any SLA around it or anything that says, you know, uh, you cannot use this for your personal email, yada yada yada. I think it's just, uh, you know, they, they realize that they need to. If they're going to get developers on board with Office and the Office platform coming after Build and Ignite, uh, this is one way to do it by having uh, Office 365 development instances available for folks to go use uh, pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a compelling offer and lowers the barrier to entry there, right? They've been doing uh, a great job in general with... uh, Quite a bit of that lately. So let's kind of embrace community and um, just o- open everything up. So uh, there was um, Julia White uh, from the Office 365 um, product group. She was on the Office Garage this week um, and she was doing a bunch of demos, kind of a it's this whirlwind 10 minute video of um, here's all the things that we talked about at Build and Ignite and all the new features that are coming down the pipe. And we've got Uh, You know DLP and compliance and sway and um, you know it's raining cats and dogs and uh, you get to have lobster and your macaroni and cheese and it's just like awesome awesome stuff coming and I can certainly see where a lot of developers uh, might want to get into that and again this is just something that says um, hey get on board and and we'll let you in there and and do it you know they've been. Um, pretty good about this stuff across the board, whether it's like Office 365 development or uh, Windows phone development. Uh, you know, they, they had uh, the ability for developers to go in and sign up for those things uh, uh, for a really low amount of money for, uh, you know, a year or things like that. So it's um, an interesting time to be a, a Microsoft developer or um, building things on top of the Microsoft platform.
0: Yeah, I noticed uh in the show notes, yeah, that uh, PS config article. Um and I guess uh uh I'm gonna guess that this is just straight text from the description of the video. Uh but then I guess this is your update where it's that's a lot of updates and Julia White absolutely kills it with product demos. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch this because I have not seen this yet. That uh
1: huh. Yeah, Earth you know, it, she always operates like great under pressure. Um, you know, if you watched her um session uh, or her section of the uh uh, the keynote at ignite um you know it's just this whirlwind thing and she's got it down pat and uh just knows what's what and, and how to get through the different pieces of it um but it's just a great overview of um all the things uh that that have been recently announced um, and kind of where to go look for upcoming things, roadmaps and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think I saw her on stage uh, a couple of years ago. And I, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, the demo gods were not favorable and the system just absolutely crashed. And yet it did not affect her one bit. She just kept plowing through and it was like, whoa, okay. She just turned that around from what could have been uh, seen, you know, during a demonstration to be horrendous into something that was actually spot on and you know, really did uh, actually demonstrate the capability because she was able to pull something else up uh, rapidly, you know, from that backup system that we all have set up uh, when our demo gods aren't happy with us and was still able to present it. Was able to actually isolate and tell people what the problem was or at least make us think she knew what the problem was. I'm pretty certain she actually knew what it was. Um... And you know, just rolled with the punches, and it was uh, it was pretty awesome to see. So, props to her, and I'm ah, I'm gonna have to go add that to my queue of videos to watch,
1: man. Yeah, it's uh, another 10 minutes of your life. You know, I went out, uh, should, should I watch that one in high def or low def? Uh, whatever it can stream to you in, okay? Yeah, go with that one. Uh, I, w- I went out last week and saw uh, Ducks, uh, Ducks So, he's from uh, DC, he was out here. Uh, doing some mm, kind of like a world wi- whirlwind tour with Microsoft and AvPoint. Uh, so he's the CTO of AvPoint. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen him speak a couple times, um, but he's just one of those like uh, excellent uh, public speakers. So he was doing a seminar on project management online and project management in general. Uh, Not usually my cup of tea, but uh, it was a free event with Microsoft. So uh, headed down to the CBD in Sydney to see him just because uh, I always get something out of his sessions, not necessarily around the technology or what's going into it. uh, But maybe here's something that I can do when uh, I'm out talking at a user event or Uh, User group or conference, things like that. Maybe here's something that uh, I can incorporate uh, to make my session a little more engaging and a little bit better. So, uh, you know, even if you go out and see some of these things, you know, maybe you might not like learn uh, something technically, but uh, I I know I go to a lot of conferences and things like that. You know, I'll sit in um, sessions these days a lot for maybe speakers I like more than technologies I like because I'll get something, um, a little bit more out of that, or, you know, that's what I'm looking for is to kind of, uh, up my game on that side.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny you say that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh Toastmasters, um, organization that, uh, is about public speaking and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would love to join one of those. Uh, I'll probably look into it doing it. Uh, once I get back to the U.S. I know there's a couple folks around DC who do, who do those, uh, uh, Shadid does that, right? Shadid uh, azhar So he he does a lot of like the SharePoint Saturday stuff for Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. I, he's a big uh, Toastmasters guy.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking with some some family friends, uh, they were very involved, and it was it was interesting actually to hear the ba- uh, the background of the majority of the folks that were attending, at least in the DC area. They weren't, you know, these. Uh, these big-time executives or anything. It was actually folks where English uh, English is a second language. Um, And I thought that was, uh, you know, I hear about ESL programs for adults all the time through different uh, volunteer organizations, which, you know, I I can only imagine coming to a country where I'm trying to, you know, put my feet on the ground and not knowing the language. um, uh, Probably terrifying in and of itself. So, you know, you're moving back, but at least you know English. So uh although you'll speak strange and talk about a, you know xyz um I, I can only imagine you know some of these folks but apparently you know toastmasters has a lot of folks that uh uh english is a second language and they're really were looking to uh be able to master the english language so personally i've been thinking about uh going and checking it out just you know like you said going to ducks's sessions and uh, trying to pick up something that uh, might not necessarily be a technology thing, but, you know, that that speaking side of things. So uh, I'm, I'm also uh, kind of interested um, going to more and more of these things that have nothing to do with technology, but more about just uh,
1: personal betterment. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you're going to take the time to sit down and do some of this stuff, uh, it's certainly worth uh, making sure that you're going to get something out of it. So you have to uh, decide that up front, right?
0: Yeah, no, no, I agree. And that's, <clears throat> that's uh, kind of like anything else, having a plan of attack that has, you know, achievable objectives. If you don't have achievable objectives, then w- why are you doing it? So. Mm. But, uh, so one other thing, I know we kind of strayed from the, uh, the Microsoft news. Um, apparently Cortana is coming to iOS and Android later this year. Uh, I know if you are on like the later builds of Windows Ten, so I think it was like uh, ten thousand seventy four. Um, I think that build had Cortana built into it. I might be wrong, uh, but I know the latest build ten one twenty two definitely has Cortana, where you can just you know walk into a room and say, "Hey Cortana," and it'll pop up and say, "Yes, Scott, what can I do for you?" Um, so. Apparently, uh, Google now you know came over to compete with uh, Siri on iOS, and now we're gonna see this uh, this third way of competition with Cortana coming to iOS and Android. Um, the Ars Technica article that we've got in the show notes, I don't think it's really got like a timeline release for that. So it may end up being kind of around the same time as Windows 10, whenever that's gonna be. I think I've heard late summer, early fall for Windows 10, but I. That's pure speculation um, based off of other podcasts that I think we both listen to. Um, so I'm you know I'm curious when this is going to come out there for iOS and Android uh, be interesting to see you know what it's able to do. Uh, especially you know it goes back to in the past we talked about ecosystems were mostly around devices and the apps that you bought for them. Uh, it seems with Microsoft and in some way Google as well, Uh, who cares what device you have or what ecosystem you belong to, find the apps that uh, tie into your identity and that source of truth where your identity sits.
1: Yeah, so the Cortana timeline... (coughs) (coughs) Hairball. uh, Live, Scott, live! Yeah. Uh, The Cortana timeline was uh, for Android was over the summer, I believe they said, and then iOS uh, later this year. So okay, cool. obviously, it's going to be an app. It's not going to be, you know, they're they're limited kind of by the APIs on each platform and uh, things like that. So, um, you know, it, it, it'll be what it is. Uh, it'll be pretty cool to see some of that stuff come out.
0: That it will be. That it will be. Um, so I think that's that's all we've got from the uh, the Microsoft and Office three sixty five world. It's been I want to say pseudo quiet. Uh, in the Azure world but before we hop into that uh, you know, talking competitors to Microsoft, give them some equal time and opportunity Um, apparently hot off the press uh, Amazon Prime which uh, has had, you know, shipping and whatnot, and I know you're thinking Amazon well yeah, it's the guys that run web services and we'll talk about web services in a second Uh, Amazon Prime is launching uh, free same day delivery if you hit a certain price point, I think it's like 35 bucks um DC is one of those, uh, one of those areas. So it used to be, you know, two day delivery, uh, next day delivery for like six bucks per item. Now the fact that they're going to do same day delivery in some of the big markets, uh, purely ridiculous in my opinion, but apparently my zip code is supported. So, uh, I guess, you know, if, if items are in the distribution centers nearby and you order by a certain time, um, you can get stuff same day. So it's, Amazon is truly taking on uh, you know, all the other box stores and mom and pops, it seems like, to, uh, to really just start annihilating, it seems like.
1: Yeah, I hope this one works out for you uh, and it doesn't turn into something like your Verizon Internet at Service where it says you can get it, and then you try and get it, and they're like, nope, not so much. Here, have some DSL. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so Amazon Prime uh, has this. Uh, Apple also released... Uh, same day delivery in some markets for some things, uh, through Postmates.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. And I think, uh, Google maybe, um, had some third party company they worked through as well, but yeah, very cool stuff.
1: Yep. Yeah. I've seen some articles out there for like Amazon doing like, uh, maybe coming up with their own grocery brand as well. Uh, and trying to break into that a little bit more as well. So it's, uh, mm, it's going to be interesting times for some of the other retailers, right? Because uh, kind of win- window shopping is definitely a thing. Uh, and the ability to walk into a store and look at something and scan it with your phone with like the Amazon app and then just say, ooh, that's nice. And ooh, click, oh, guess what? I can pay $10 less and I can have it shipped to me the same day. Uh, well, I'm just going to leave the store now. I've done my bit and uh, I'm, I'm ready to move on with my day.
0: So think about the disturbing side of it, though uh you wake up in the morning and you go hmm i'm out of my favorite coffee i wonder if it can be here by 2 p.m and you say hey alexa please order blah and then all of a sudden it just shows up you know 20 minutes later that's that's going to be what freaks me out is if they're able to get uh, distribution that good um especially if they start using drones for delivery
1: yeah i've seen you on coffee after 2 p.m i hope that never happens (laughs)
0: uh fortunately i ran out of coffee earlier this week and had to go out and uh pick up some some fresh grounds uh if you're if you're looking for something new and different uh try the morning joe from starbucks it's uh it's pretty dark stuff
1: Mm, nobody in australia is gonna like that you said that because that's like sacrilege out here oh really oh yeah yeah espresso all the way
0: well i mean I i love me some espresso in the morning i just this stuff is, uh, the smell of it is, I mean, you, you've you had Death Wish coffee and you've had Jet Fuel coffee. Um, I think Death Wish was pretty pungent. Uh, this The Morning Joe, it's it's pretty darn pungent. That's that's all I have to say about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I gave some stuff away when I left. It was called like Dank or something like that. And it was, yeah. <laughs> that was like... Uh oh my god, I'm gonna drink this and I think my heart might explode from caffeine and smell and all the things that are gonna hit my body at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think I gave you that bag of coffee actually. So that's that's fine if you handed it off to somebody else. So uh, hopefully they did not have their heart explode. Um but uh speaking of Amazon, is there anything else going on in the the AWS world? I know uh there's a brief follow-up and I know we're breaking the rules of follow up. Um I did go back and look, and apparently you can have uh, subnet routing tables for VPCs, so I guess uh, Azure was playing catch-up in that regard, of that, uh, that news release that came out during Ignite, but is there, is there anything else interesting going on in good old AWS land, or are things just kind of quiet right now Will they hum along? Mm, uh,
1: you know, they, they have some interesting things. So they've been uh, churning along on some SDKs. <clears throat> Man. I think i'm coming down with a cold uh so they have uh version three of the php sdk came out uh so that's out and about and you know has all the usual improvements um one of the really cool things they had come out so we were talking about those um uh what were they like the Uh, spot instances and kind of how that that billing model works a a couple of weeks ago and maybe how something like preemptible VMs would be really cool with that. Uh, So they have a a new spot fleet API, uh, which basically what you do is you you get a single request mechanism through this API to say, go spin me up a fleet uh, of X number of servers. Which is really cool. So you can spin up thousands of spot instances with a single request, where in the past you would have to batch or kind of uh, go through and and loop around and um, you know figure uh, figure out what was going on around there. Um, so th- that's really neat. Uh, they also came out with um, OpsWorks for Windows. So if anybody uses uh, that particular stack, uh, you have, now have native support uh, within Windows. Um, and then I don't know if you have any of these in DC. I think they have them um, up in Seattle, but they announced a uh, pop-up loft for New York City. So this is basically a workspace that is staffed by uh, Amazon-like uh, technical associates and and basically people that work on like the Amazon services side, like the AWS services side. Uh, so like their uh, in-house uh, technical solution specialists, like the equivalent of like a, a Microsoft like a TSP. Uh, but you know, these are like, their technical architects. So like you can just walk in off the street and ask questions about, uh, a particular piece of technology or get feedback on things you're doing, um, something like that. So I, I, thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to, uh, maybe you're shopping in the mall and, oh, I'm just gonna hop into the AWS pop-up store, honey. Um, Hey guys, how do I do, uh, subnet routing tables with a VPC, uh, you know, and, and kind of throw that out there.
0: Yeah, so apparently there's uh, two AWS pop-up lofts. Um, one is in San Francisco and the other is in New York. Uh, the one in San Fran, for our West Coast listeners, um, that bad boy opens up uh, sometime soon. So I believe, and if the DSL works, um, I believe it's already actually open. You just have to register. Um to visit the loft. So I don't know exactly what they use for registration, but it is available. Um, The New York one is opening up in uh, late June. So June 25th is when that opens up and it is open Monday through Friday, 10 to six. So I think that, yeah, that is pretty cool though. Um, The fact that you can just uh, register to, I guess, attend, um, go in, ask some questions, get a cup of coffee, uh, work through some labs, uh, attend a tech session, do a boot camp or whatnot. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Um, I <laughs> I had not heard of this, but uh, very cool, man. Um, I might have to go up to New York City on Amtrak uh, and pop in just to ask some questions here and there.
1: Hey, we're going to be there in July.
0: Ah, it's true. Uh, we should stop by. It'll be open.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got SharePoint Saturday in New York City coming up.
0: Yeah, and I think... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I checked the schedule and we've got an afternoon session. So maybe in the morning we could. Uh, oh, crap, they're open Monday through Friday. Uh, so maybe Friday, if we get there early enough, we can stop by and uh, shoot the breeze over there for an hour or something.
1: Oh uh, yeah, maybe we can convince uh, the coordinators to have the speaker dinner
0: at the AWS pop up loft. Uh,
1: yeah, I like it. Yeah, hey, they they always cater really well. So I've always been impressed by all the Amazon events.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 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 in. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like you said. It's a really cool concept. It's kind of like having a Genius Bar for your cloud deployments. Uh, so rather than taking like your MacBook in to get fixed, you would just take a you know a, a Visio diagram with you and say, "Help me fix this." Yeah, why is it my routing
0: doesn't work here? And they look at you and they just say, "Because uh, that's not how the cloud works. Maybe
1: you should do it this way." Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's 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 a way to go about it. Free consulting is free consulting. True. Very very true. So, anything else uh, cool going on in
0: the AWS world, or are we going to hop back over to the uh, the dark side of Azure? Uh,
1: let's go back to the dark side. Mm, you sure about that? Yeah. Uh, mm, mm. Hey, if Pink Floyd could put out an album about it, we can talk about it for a little while. That's
0: true. Um, I guess the one thing that kind of caught my eye, um, and I think we might have talked about this a week or two ago, but... Uh, in case we did not, uh, Microsoft did invest in sub C cables to connect their data centers. So they already, you know, run cable between their data centers so that they can get, you know, instantaneous replication or so it would seem, um, I can only guess they run their own cables. Who knows? Uh, I don't think they're running it over like a 28 baud modem for replication. That'd be kind of sad. But uh, yeah, so they are investing in some subsea cable company. So it's not them themselves, but some company that does this uh, professionally um, goes and lays fiber optic cables. Um, I guess, you know, this will help out in kind of that uh, redundant data centers perspective, as well as the ability to uh, snap copy, you know, virtual machines and other data that you've got inside a subscription uh, to another data center. And to me, um, I, I don't do anything in APAC, really. I don't know if, you, well, obviously you do some things in uh, APAC, I guess. Uh, but, um, I, I don't know. I can't really see really good uses for this, except for by organizations that uh, have wide user bases that cover multiple continents.
1: Yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be for you to leverage. It could just be for Microsoft to leverage, right? If it improves service uptime and availability, uh, that's a good thing for them. Um, so uh, that announcement that they had, um, they also talked about not only uh, the subsea cable stuff, but they're also investing in uh, terrestrial dark fiber capacity. Uh, so... Uh, if they can get that stuff down, like if you look at the way uh, storage replication works, right? So, if you do geo redundant storage between um, Azure storage accounts, so say you do US East and US West, um, it's async replication, and you're kind of uh, you're at the whim of when it replicates. So your durability is uh, guaranteed to 15 minutes. Uh, so, if there's like a Outage and it goes like full out, and they have to pop over to another data center. They've done everything they can and they can't recover. And they say, All right, we're going to pop you over. Um, potentially, you've got 15 minutes of, of data loss or corruption or something in there. So, the more investments they make there and, and anything they can do to improve those SLAs, right? If they can get um, async replication down to like under 10 minutes, that's a huge improvement in service availability and everything else. And then what if you can start to do things like replication? Uh, Maybe they can open that up uh, between continents, right? Or between regions. So you can do that in AWS uh, in the S3 storage replication, right? You can um, just let it go, let it off and run, and it it does its thing um, based on the constraints that they have of that system. Um, And we can't do that in Azure today. So maybe this helps open up an offering around something like that too. Um, you know, it, it's great to have them just, uh, continue to invest and, and throw things into those platforms. So we had the, uh, Gartner report come out a couple weeks ago. And, uh, so it was just Microsoft and, uh, Amazon were in the magic quadrant. So, uh, you know how they do their, um, like leader, visionary, all that stuff. And you always want to be in the upper right. Uh, so AWS is like far and above the, the leader for like IaaS cloud computing, um, And Microsoft is, they're still the only other provider that's up in that quadrant. Um, And Microsoft certainly has the money to kind of keep investing and pushing into the platform and making it go up there. So uh, this is just a way to continue to, um, you know, pump things in and continue to invest back in the platform to make sure that they can uh, not only keep up with AWS, but maybe hopefully exceed them in some areas a little bit later.
0: You know, it's it's funny you
1: mentioned the uh,
0: Microsoft going and Amazon going and reinvesting in themselves so that they can continue to innovate and continue to offer new services. Um, I kind of wish that uh, other you know technology companies did this uh, in the same way. Maybe they are, and we just we don't realize it. But uh, companies like Verizon. Um, I know when uh, 4G LTE was first coming out, uh, you could go and read about it on their innovation center. So they had a couple innovation centers where they were working on uh, doing, you know, the wide area network evolution of CDMA to LTE and GSM to LTE, and showing all that uh, capability and technology off. Um, I, you know, it, I guess it's just surprising to me because you see Microsoft going and doing this, where they're uh, looking at enhancing the way that uh, broadband can be used, but we don't necessarily see companies like Verizon going out and uh, investing heavily in like 5g yet. And maybe that's just because 4g is uh, still, you know, gaining, uh, gaining adoption, but uh, be neat if other companies were actually investing in things, especially telecom companies.
1: Yeah. You got to get the money and the investment out of the platform that you already have before you can start going to the next step. Right. So uh, with 3g still out there, um, until 4g is saturated there's probably not much motivation for them to go to 5g or kind of next generation technologies right uh that'll probably be some upstart that comes along and says hey look what we've done and then oh we better get on that bandwagon because a bunch of people are going that way yep um so i know uh we're trying to keep things
0: short today uh there's uh one other thing to kind of mention on the azure side um if you uh, if you're if you're new to Azure and you're new to like uh, virtual machines, web apps, all that jazz, uh, you probably have learned a little bit of PowerShell and you probably learned it through what's known as like the Service Management API. Um, decent stuff. Uh, only is so extensible. Um, and if you're coming over from like AWS, you're probably scratching your head, going, "Good grief, this is this is all I can do." Um, a while back, uh, Microsoft introduced what they called uh, Azure Resource Manager, um, and basically, uh, it's it's also what powers uh, the preview portal um, portal.azure.com. com. Uh, it, it's basically a, a better way of uh, managing all your different resources, whether it be VMs, whether it be web, apps, excuse me, uh, web apps, or you know other components. Um, it's, it's kind of the future, I guess, of uh, what Azure is doing in that IaaS and PaaS space. And so uh, recently, uh, David Tazar, um put together kind of a, a deep dive um, into learning Azure Resource Manager. And so if you already have the chops of understanding Azure, uh, fantastic. Uh, but it probably would behoove you to go check out uh, his article out there called Learn Azure Resource Manager uh, his blog is itproguy.com and it's uh, it's got you know a fairly decent run through of all the different things you need to know uh, before you hop into Azure resource manager including like a half day course out on uh, Microsoft virtual academy um, as well as a ton of different blog posts that uh, can help you get up and moving kind of in the right direction so if you're starting to get you know involved in Azure you're coming from an AWS background, and you've done things like, uh, I guess, Cloud Formation. Um, this is really kind of that thing that you want to go hop into and start learning, because, quite honestly, uh, you know, the two platforms—they're very, very close in the way that things get done on the back end. It seems these days, uh, sort of, um, but it—it's only going to, you know, help you out to know kind of this new way of doing things so check it out um if you got a couple minutes uh, i would definitely recommend it especially you know i think it was uh at ignite they announced what they called azure stack uh which is that windows uh server uh vnext i guess 2016 um i think it's 2016 so i've seen it uh publicized on different blogs uh, basically, you know, has uh, this component Azure Stack that is effectively Azure on your Windows server. So much in the same way, you know, Docker was coming to Windows server. Hey, look, Azure on Windows server. Um, so apparently this will also use uh, that capability. So it's going to be one of those things that is not going away anytime soon.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's it's not going anywhere. Um, folks really need to learn the... Uh, the templates to leverage this all the way. So um, back at Ignite, uh, they announced uh, that the templates in Azure Resource Manager uh, were going to be published to GitHub. So I've kind of complained in the past about uh, things like the SharePoint templates not being available when you just go into the ARM commandlets and pull them down from the gallery. And it says, oh, hey, uh, nope. Uh, This is a blank template, but somehow we run it with magic sauce on the back end. Uh, So uh, in that Learn uh, Arm article, there's a link to the uh, GitHub repo that has all the templates in it. And it has a ton of things in it. And people are already contributing back. Uh, One of the interesting things to me was uh, the SharePoint templates are out there. Uh, So the typical uh, HA template, uh, which is like the nine server Uh, farm with your AD all up and your SQL and all that Uh, and also the three server farm template are both out there and because it's in GitHub and they've done um, all the fun cool stuff um, they've added the uh, deploy to Azure buttons to most of the templates that are out there so as you're browsing through the repo if you see one you like and you've gone ahead and taken a look at it, you say, oh, I just wanna try this and see what it does. Uh, you just go ahead and click the deploy to Azure button and you're off and running. You'll be executing that template uh, within ARM uh, and building out a stack, which is really cool, really powerful stuff.
0: So yeah, I, uh, man, I just, uh, I, I weep for anybody that's just trying to learn service management right now and disregarding any of the resource manager stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, don't cry, it, don't you, cry you have me, to do Argentina. it. Uh, you know, I watched the, uh, the GitHub repo uh, for the Azure PowerShell. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be a lot of mm, complaints that the ARM uh, management templates don't, or the ARM management uh, commandlets uh, don't, don't always match up with uh, what came over from the old service management API. So uh, I think folks that are getting into it now are or, or, or a little bit better off because they know that ARM is the way forward. Uh, but if you came from the old service management side and you go like, uh, what, it, mm, uh, what is this uh, ARM thing? And why do I have to do uh, switch Azure mode? And all of a sudden something like get Azure VM, like that's a standard commandment, commandlet from the service management side. Um, it might operate a little bit differently and have different parameters. It might actually return a different object type, right? With uh, different attributes associated with it. Um, and it's because they're really building it to to be the path forward. So, uh arm is in a bit of a weird place right now. It, it you know, I kind of struggle playing with it and trying to uh, get people up to speed on it. I think, you know, sometimes it would almost be better if the arm commandlets were in their own module rather than just the regular service management module, because then they'd be broken out. We could do things and yeah, it's a shared project and they got to get stuff from the other one. So uh, it can be a little bit weird because it's the only PowerShell module I know of where you like switch modes like that. And then the modes have almost the same commandlets, but the commandlets return different things and operate a little bit differently. So there's definitely some friction to getting starting with it. Uh, but once you do get up and running, uh, there's definitely uh, some really powerful stuff and uh, forward-looking scenarios that, that you can execute on uh, as you're building out your deployments.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that was one of those things that <clears throat> uh, a couple of folks were like, huh, I'm doing this right. Why am I not getting back the same results? And like you said, it's uh, same name, command, let's, different mode, different uh, parameters and different outputs. So uh, be mindful and mind the gap that uh, is between the two modes.
1: Uh, always good advice.
0: Yep. Uh, I don't think there's too much else that we really wanted to go through. I know we uh, we said we were going to try and keep this one lighthearted and happy after last week's uh, episode of all the identity smorgasbord. So unless you got anything else, I think, uh, I think we're going to call it a wrap.
1: Yeah, no, let's go ahead and button it up.
0: All right, man, have a safe flight.
1: All right, see you, Dan.